Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Thank you, my friend. I am Chris Cuomo and welcome to Primetime. Turns out the GOP is pro-diversity after all. They voted overwhelmingly today to become the GOPQ, adding a wing dedicated to the advancement of QAnon kooks who choose to believe that my Jewish family is shooting lasers at us from space and that even more are drinking the blood of babies. 199 Republicans voting to uphold conspiracies tonight over truth. 199. Only 11 Republicans would not defend the indefensible. Voting with 219 Democrats in an open vote, not a secret ballot, like that Cheney nonsense last night. So the QAnon kook won't be on committees, but she clearly has the warm embrace of the GOPQ. Very notably, Liz Cheney was among the 199 who voted to keep the QAnon rep on her committees. I guess that was the price of Cheney staying in power. But what a price to pay. You have the guts to vote your conscience and impeach the president for inciting the January 6th insurrection. But you vote to keep important committee assignments with a QAnon person, a group all over the ugliest acts of that day and someone who personally echoed desires to kill Democrats, and who, by the way, says you are no better than they are. So how crazy is this? The QAnon lady has more support in that party than Cheney, by a lot. How do we see this? 61 Republicans voted to remove Cheney from her leadership post for her vote to impeach Trump, 61. 11 voted to remove the QAnon lady for her insanity and lies. Almost six times the support. Now, for her sake today, she admitted that everything she has said is a lie. School shootings are absolutely real. I also want to tell you 9-11 absolutely happened. I never once said during my entire campaign, QAnon. I never once said any of the things that I am being accused of today during my campaign. I never said any of these things since I have been elected for Congress. These were words of the past. No, no such thing. You're not accused. You said them. But I like the defense. I didn't kill anyone today. Great. So tell us this. Why did you lie about it all? Where's that piece in this, this transparency. Where's your why? Saying school shootings were fake. JFK was killed by the Clintons. And now you say 9-11 is real. Oh, great. But what about the Pentagon part of the attack? Are you going to clear this part up? So-called plane that crashed into the Pentagon. It's odd. There's never any evidence shown for a plane in the Pentagon. She didn't mention that today or echoing calls to kill Democrats. Didn't matter, 199 Republicans. And uh, did you see the new mask? Free speech. 
What happened to the ordinary match? Look at her. <laughs> Stop the steal. She still believed that toxic lie that led to the insurrection as much or more of any of the other poison she spewed recently. Free speech. I don't think she gets that having a right to say something doesn't make anything you say right. Free speech doesn't mean free from any consequence. When you spread poison like stop the steal and Trump won, there's a consequence. We saw it. We lived it. Here it is. People get hurt. Cops die. Cops get maimed. A democracy gets shaken. People lose fingers. Lawmakers, like all but her, because she's part of this crew, they get hunted. They hide. But let's be honest. You've not seen many Republicans talking much about the sixth, have you? Think for a moment. You see any teary addresses? People standing up and swearing their lifeblood to go against those who tried to destroy the rest. No, no, certainly not like they did when there was violence and protests about race. I wonder why. I wonder if the QAnon lady would get such support if she were a black person. Now, what is for what it's worth, her statement on the floor of Congress today was a lie. She said she was led to believe things. No, no, she chose to believe things when it worked for her to stir up the ignorant and vulnerable. And she lied today about when she stopped. Listen. Later in 2018, when I started finding misinformation, lies, things that were not true in these QAnon posts, I stopped believing it. She did, huh? So you stopped it in 2018. Okay. So what about this interview in July that our friends at the K-File found? The video, you say, quote, Q is a patriot. Do you believe that? Is that what you believe? I've only ever seen patriotic sentiment coming out of um, that source. Drinking baby's blood? No 9-11? That's patriotic to you. And to your new party, the GOPQ. QAnon members of Patriots, just months ago, thought it was not 2018. It's so easily discoverable. 199 votes. Now, another lie, because the truth is supposed to matter, right? Especially on the floor of Congress. Now she says this about school shootings. School shootings are absolutely real. I know the fear that David Hogg had that day. I know the fear that these kids have. Our children are our future and they're our most precious resource. You know his fear, huh? Is that why you chased him down the street, reminding a kid who is deathly afraid of guns that you have a loaded one on you? I'm a gun owner. I have a concealed carry permit. I carry a gun with, for protection. That's David Hogg she's chasing down the street. Bad video cut. But that's where he is. She chased him down the street. Now she says, oh, I, I feel for him. Look, she is the worst of us. This is easy, what I'm doing. I could beat her down all night long with her own words, easily. The point is, the GOP Q forgave it all. She's lucky that the real party died recently, reborn as the GOP Q. You'll see all their faces in the bottom corner of the screen, malformed in the image of Mr. Mendacity himself, The man who made lying like she did today totally acceptable in their ranks. You know, 
He's the real Q, isn't he? Trump, he's your daddy, the bellowing bloviator of most of the BS that now defines that party. And just like his poison protege today, when called out to stand by lies with a price attached for lying, he wilts. Trump once again refused to testify under oath today at his upcoming trial. Just like with Mueller, just like in his first impeachment. I'd love to. I can't wait. Remember? Then he wouldn't do it because lies carry a price under oath. But he's no different than everyone in that party now. They all want to duck the impeachment. So the question becomes, what do these men and women on the right side of the aisle think they gained by this today? And what did it cost them? And what did it cost all of us? We turn to better minds, Jonathan Swan and Charlie Dent. G-O-P-Q, Charlie. That is now the diversified party name that you belong to. Sentiments. Yeah, my, my quick thought is, I mean, it's, it's really an act of political malpractice uh, that Republicans have put themselves in this position uh, where the Democrats did what they should have, what Republicans should have done themselves, which was to never have allowed Marjorie Taylor Greene into the Republican conference or on to any committees. They should have done that from the get-go. They know it. And what's even worse is that now, now there's a vote. You know, Democrats are very good at saying that moderate Republicans are right-wing nuts. And frankly, Republicans do the same things uh, the Democrats. They call centrist Democrats left-wing nuts. Well, now there's a vote, uh, and a recorded vote, that, will be, that can and will be used against Republicans as QAnon Republicans, Marjorie Taylor Greene Republicans. This should have never come to a vote on the House floor. Good luck arguing precedent. Good luck arguing process in defending allowing Marjorie Taylor Greene to serve on the Education Committee. It won't work. So, Brother Swan. First of all, love the work, love the interviewing. Good to have you on the show. Um, what is the linking thought that makes these men and women um, take this vote today, vote to say that the impeachment is unconstitutional and refuse to recognize the events of January 6th the way they were recognizing events all summer long? What is the linking thinking? The linking thinking is their voters. And we did a poll at Axios, which we published last night, which shows that Marjorie Taylor Greene is vastly more popular among Republican voters than Mitch McConnell or Liz Cheney. So just think about that for a moment. That's just a stone cold fact from our polling. It wasn't even close. This is far outside the margin of error. Republican voters in the polling were three times more likely to align their beliefs with Marjorie Taylor Greene than with Liz Cheney. So Kevin McCarthy is stuck in the middle. He's got his base, his activists, who are much more aligned with Marjorie Taylor Greene than they are with the establishment wing. And they're all giving these small dollar donations, you know, and, and a lot of energy online. And then he's got his corporate donors who are repulsed in many cases by Marjorie Taylor Greene and the views she espoused. So he's trying to fight off losing his corporate donors, but then also trying to manage the base of the party and the, where the real energy and popularity is. So, you know, that's the situation. That's the politics of this situation. So a uh, quick follow. Is it the attitude that she conveys um, more than the substance? And it makes me think of that amazing piece you guys had taking us inside the room of people arguing to Trump about uh, what was going to happen and what wasn't going to happen. The idea of renegade, reckless, blow it all up. They all suck. 
Is that what the appeal is to someone like her, regardless of the fact that she thinks people drink baby's blood? <laughs> well, you, you use the word substance, and I, and it seems misplaced uh, in this instance because I'm not aware of really policy views that she has besides the usual, you know, I stand for Second Amendment and guns and whatever Trump says. It's it's an attitude. I think what you're saying is is right. It's an attitude, and it's a sort of you know, screw them attitude, the middle finger to Washington. But more than that, it's also easy, simple solutions. Part of the reason that meeting you just described in the Oval Office, I mean, this was one of the most deranged meetings in the Oval Office in recent history, maybe the most deranged in recent, I can't think of one, I've been covering Trump for five years, nothing like this. Sidney Powell in there telling him to basically commandeer the US government to seize voting machines, potentially use the military to do that. But Again, it comes back to this, when the realists tell you, no, actually, you lost the election and and here are the facts and sorry, you got to live with it. That's not good enough. The appealing the appealing message is the person who can come to you and say, actually, here's a conspiracy theory that explains everything. And here's a path to victory. It's so easy. Just give me the keys. Charlie, what changed? I got uncles in your party. I married into your party. Conservative values, less government. Think about taxation. It matters how you treat people. Uh, you know, core conservative values. How did you guys get to this point? Well, it's clear to me that what's happened over over the years is that we've stopped debating uh, public policy. It's not about policy. It's as, as was said. It's about attitude. It's about anger. It's about tribalism. That's where this party is. And the sad part now is that what will happen? I, I, I fear. And it's depressing to hear those numbers that Jonathan cited, that the Republican Party will fracture, that it'll be factionalized. There'll be a minority, people like me who are appalled by what's going on, uh, or so that there'll be a faction or there'll be a complete schism where there will be a break. Uh, the, the Republican base is actually shrinking. Yes, it's more loyal uh, to uh, these extreme elements like Donald Trump, but it is shrinking. And long term, uh, this is not a way to win majorities. And everybody knows it. So the party's in a, in a deep, dark place right now. And we can thank Donald Trump for that. Now we look at the impeachment, Jonathan. I said uh, in the opening that Trump is really cute. And he might as well be because there is none. Uh, and certainly he is as much of a father of a lot of this toxic thought as anybody is that's identifiable. What will the impeachment mean in terms of how this all comes to a head in your analysis? The trial. Well, you know, the, the funny thing about it is it's completely different from the first impeachment of Donald Trump in the sense that when I talk to Democrats, whether it be on the Hill or in, in the Biden administration, they just want this done quickly. They, they really they, they're of a view that this is not helpful to them, that they don't believe they're going to find 17 Republicans to convict Donald Trump. And I think that's anyone with mm-hmm. common sense who's observing the dynamics of the Senate would agree with that. So. Joe Biden sees it as a distraction to his agenda and something that would make them look like they're looking backwards, trying to punish the pre- the previous president rather than moving ahead with the agenda. So, you know, when, when you talk about things like, you know, subpoenaing the president to come in and testify, I, I, I tend to think that's all theater. That's not really going to amount to much because the dominant mood from Senate Democrats is let's just get this over and done with and move on um, and, and sort of understand that we're not going to actually succeed here. Charlie, you think there's any chance that this type of GOPQ wants to do any kind of deal with the Democrats? Or is this 2000, 2009, 2008, 2009 to an exponential power of opposition? 
Oh, I think there's a, an appetite to do some deals. I think they would like to do some deals on cybersecurity, even COVID. I still think there's a, a, a possibility they could do a deal on COVID. I know that the move is towards a reconciliation bill, but I could see move China uh, infrastructure. There's plenty of opportunity here. And I have to say, though, back in 2008 or 2009, 2010, you know, the Democrats had big majorities. You know, they, they really weren't trying to get a whole lot of Republican buy in. You know, they, they were pretty clear. Screw them. They had, you know, we had the votes. Well, we that remember what attitude. happened with that first relief bill, 2008, 2009. You know, Jonathan Swan, still young and good looking, but you and I looked like him back then. And <laughs> yeah. the Republicans but said they, they wanted to work with them and all they wanted was the tax cuts. And they didn't move one vote to help Obama with that. It had to be a cram down. Well, it, it, yeah, but they presented us with that bill at the time. They said, here's the bill. How many of you guys want to vote for it? And we said, well, can we make some changes? And they said, well, the bill's written. I was there for that. I mean, I remember being fed the bill. With no, no input on the process or the substance. Well, that doesn't, make you, that doesn't make you any different than the Democrats either. You know, another problem, Jonathan, that you guys isolate very well uh, in your reporting very often, and I'm out of time here, but the point matters, the leadership does everything now. You literally have a room of four people. The majority, you know, you have the House and the Senate and the minority House and Senate. They do all of it. And you get guys like Charlie, unless, you know, he was in a position of authority. But, you know, a lot of these senators will tell you, yeah, I didn't even get to see it. I don't even know. I don't even know if they're going to take any of my changes. The problem screwed up, but today did not help. Jonathan Swan, again, big friend, uh, big fan. Good to have you on the show. Charlie Dent, as always, appreciate the perspective, brother. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, look, you got to look at this question because it's going to shape. It's got to be our, la- our next six, eight months. Why Republicans are happy to stand with a QAnon kook. They have to be banking on hate, anger, fear, and what aboutism? What about Omar? What about Maxine Waters? You remember them uh, inciting an insurrection on the Capitol? But let's test the argument with someone who voted to keep her on those committees. He's next. And later, Dr. Anthony Fauci is here. There's breaking news on the vaccine front. J&J, Johnson & Johnson, asking the FDA to authorize its single-shot vaccine. If they get it, how soon? How big a difference? Also, where is our best hope right now? And schools. Deep talk ahead. hundred and ninety nine members of Congress voted against stripping Marjorie Taylor Greene, the QAnon person of her committee assignments. Why? Let's ask one of them. Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen, Republican, Oklahoma. Good to see you, sir. Thanks for having me on again, Chris. What's the answer, brother? Why would you vote to protect somebody who believes what she does? Well, listen, uh, what she said was before she was a member of Congress and she stood up and and apologized to the conference. She explained it. She denounced uh, uh, QAnon, and and she was very she was very open about what happened. And and I don't know, but I I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes, and I asked people to to forgive me and move on. And when she asked it, um, I felt like it it moved the conference. But at the same time, it's unprecedented what the Democrats have done here. And and you said this going into the commercial break. You said, well. Well, what about Omar? What Omar has said back in 2012 when she says Israel has hypnotized the world. You have Tlaib that said when she's talking about the Holocaust, quote, Mm. it gives her a calming feeling. Uh, You have AOC that said the whole point of protesting is to make people uncomfortable. But we can go back farther than that. We can go back to President Joe Biden in 1977 when he said uh, integration via mandatory bus would create racial 
quote, a racial jungle. You, you have th- you, and, Mitch, Yeah, but majority. hold on a second, Congressman. Yeah. The, the idea of running away from what she said by naming other things that people said is not a great defense. And here's why. No, I'm not, Chris, I'm not saying it's a defense, but I'm saying it's a double standard. But hold if on a second, it's not a double standard. It's not a double standard. It's not a double standard, Congressman. Here's why. I didn't see you calling these people out when they said these things. Because they did nothing that compares with someone being at the center of an insurrection against the capital of the United States. And you know it. Here's what bothers me. Here's what bothers me. She was in the middle of that riot. Here's what QAnon was all over the place. I'll show you pictures all night long. Back in August, back in August on Fox, she denounced QAnon. So I have never she, heard her denounce her? anything in July of 2020. She said sure. she's never seen anything but patriotic themes from QAnon. In well, July I, of 2020, I'll play it for you right now. You have her wrong, but more importantly, Mark Wayne, you know she's full of it. You know what she said today was the absolute minimum, that she was led to believe. She chose to believe. She was wearing a mask that said, stop the steal. Up until Chris, today, that's as ugly Chris, a lie as any of them. Hey, Chris, I, I, I'm not trying to defend what she said in the past. Yes, you are. Not, I, no, one, no, no, no. No one can defend what she said in the past. You that's did her. with your vote. She asked forgiveness. And, and we're going to move on from there because and, and because I, it's I, inconvenient. Because that's why you're moving on. You would never no, move no, on no, if no. she were a Democrat. Chris, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it, once at that point she said what I said in the past isn't who I am. I'm going to believe her from there. But she I don't just said it in July. Happening to the other people on the Democrat Party. This is a one-sided deal. What was your outrage, Chris, when you start talking about what Talib and Omar and Cortez has said? What, what where's your outrage about them inciting violence like Maxine Waters? The double none standard, of them. It doesn't look, stop. None of them were doing anything like what this lady and what this group is about. And you know, wrong it. you know, wrong. it. Mark, it doesn't make so, she so was calling to kill Democrats. Mark, what you know, this stuff, you don't need me to tell you what I want to know I, is this. What are you getting out of this? What are you getting out of defending something as ugly as she is? Why? I'm not defending what she said. I'm defending what I'm defending is the Republican Party and the double standard. That is she the media part of your party? The judges, the Republican Party different than they judge their own party. And that's including you, Chris. You don't call out the own members of the Democrat Party. Mark Wayne Mullen, if any Democrat said that Republicans drink babies' blood or that Christians shoot late, she endorsed the beliefs of QAnon. Chris, you're putting words. I'm not putting. Listen to the July soundbite. Listen to to this soundbite. I don't want to argue with you. It's not productive. Just listen to the soundbite. I got one more question. I don't want to berate you. Go ahead. In the video, you say, quote, Q is a patriot. Do you believe that? Is that what you believe? I've only ever seen patriotic sentiment coming out of um, that source. Uh, Mark, Mark Wayne, come on. It's, It's right there. These are ugly beliefs. She used them for convenience. She's changing them now out of convenience. And you know it. And you wouldn't even vote on a House resolution to condemn QAnon. Why do you need these people? Listen, I am not defending them. They are not part of our party. Why wouldn't you condemn them? And she said the same thing. I'm not defending her her remarks either. What I'm saying is that she publicly came up 
and said that's not who she was, that she's learned from her lessons on that, that she was she was she was moved by by untruths. And there's a lot of people. And when Omar apologized, it meant nothing to you. And when Maxine Waters was asked if she wanted people to be violent, she said no. But you bring them up as if they meant every word of it and it's unforgivable. But her you forgive, even though she lied today about wanting forgiveness. Really? Did Omar apologize about saying that uh, Israel has hypnotized the world? Did, did Tlaib apologize for saying that Holocaust gave her a calming feeling? First of all, they like were killing themselves to get out of those statements and bending over backwards to say they never meant it. It was taken out of context and everything you politicians say. That's what not, I'm saying is this lady doesn't even do that. And you're going to say you're upset about that. But we're just days away, weeks away from an insurrection at QAnon all over it. You guys won't even talk about that day. You'll talk about road protests that turned into riots over the summer until you're blue in the face. But when Chris, our capital I, I, is attacked, you say nothing. And a woman who's a member of a group that was at the center of it, you protect. I don't get it. Chris, I was there. I was on the floor. You saw pictures of me being there. I, 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 I know exactly what happened. And I'm not defending that. That should have never happened. It's a dark day on history. And you would think that all of us, politicians and media alike, would learn from that. You voted to empower to somebody who's part of the group that attacked We're you, brother. Empower- we're not empowering her. What we're saying is unprecedented that they're punishing her for something she said before she was a member of Congress. You, what, you, first of all, where does that come from? Where does that line Where does that line come from? If I say her, horrible things, then I get elected and I say I don't want to say those anymore. That's OK with you. Well, no, her constituents are the one that she has to answer to. And, and it's not us. That's to not true. They you guys have your own rules of what you accept and what you don't. And you know it. You have your own ethics no, rules. You have your own exactly, standards. Yeah, don't put words in my mouth, please. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm trying to be cordial here, too. Don't say I know it. I'm telling you exactly what I believe. Does the I House have its own rules and standards for conduct? Standard. Does the House Sorry. have its own rules and standards for conduct? Yes or no? Yeah, they do. And you don't believe her beliefs violate those standards and conduct? It was prior to her being in Congress. She was just saying it in July. She just said the other day, McCarthy is no different than these other guys. She went, I'm sorry, when was the election? November 3rd? That wasn't July of 2014. So if she hasn't said it, but today when she was asked to refute it, she didn't say, I'm sorry for saying to kill Democrats. I'm sorry for saying it's patriotic to say that Democrats drink babies' blood and that Jews shoot lasers from space. She said, I've never heard anything but patriotic themes out of QAnon. But don't say that Marjorie said that. I'm not trying to defend what she said. Like I said, what she said in the past is undefendable. Mark Wayne, I agree with you. I agree with you. This is what we have to judge her on. But you know, it doesn't, you know, the clock doesn't stop. You guys go after people five, 10 years ago for what they said when it's convenient. It just was convenient for you not to do so today. But I I don't want to do the exact same thing. Look, it doesn't make it good. If the left does it, then let them get taken after. Don't be what you oppose. Don't be what you oppose. Don't be the worst of us. That's all I'm saying. Congressman, I appreciate you being here. I want to move forward as a country. I don't want to go back and continue having these fights then, like this among ourselves because the only thing it does is hurt the country. Here's what I agree. Here's what I believe, Chris. Do you believe that flag over my shoulder right here is beautiful? Is it the American flag? Sure it is. Yes, Absolutely. I didn't see it. Of it's course. It's beautiful flag. And would you defend that flag? I would do all my best. I do not have I do not have the kind of honor and conviction and commitment that people who serve in the military have. I didn't have it. I wasn't brave enough, but I respect them. 
Hey, and you would defend it. I guarantee you would. And guess what? I would too. And we got a foundation to build upon right now. But if we keep looking at everybody's past, we're just going to be tearing each other apart. Look, you want to talk about the flag, but Congressman, then you wouldn't vote to certify the election when you knew it was BS, when you knew there was no proof, when you knew you had dozens of cases. Come on. Once again, don't start putting words in my mouth. You didn't vote to certify the election. Yes or no? I'm, I was convicted by what I believe that's my authority given to me and awarded to me by the Constitution that I swore to uphold and I will defend with, no proof. with my death. With no proof. I felt like it was my obligation to defend that vote. With, I don't with believe no proof. in the way the electoral vote was counted based on the way that the ballots were cast. The only people what does that, that mean? get to choose the way the election law is given based on the Constitution, Article 1, Section 2, yeah. is the state legislators. And you know that as well as I do. Every state at issue, either put the law through their legislature or had the law contested by their Supreme Court and then reviewed by the United States Supreme Court. No one agrees with you, including the Republican officials in those states. But you know something that is worth decertifying. You know, uh, there was 31 members that currently serve in the House of Representatives in 2005 and the Democrat Party that also contested the George Bush election. So what? Why camp? does that make what you did today okay? All right, look, well, I got, I got to go. But Congressman, you're going to accuse me of going outside the constant, my constitutional authority, but yet you're going to say so. I'm going to say the vote was based on nothing but political convenience. And if you want to unite around the flag, don't make a mockery of it with a vote like that that undermines our democracy. Hey, I'm saying let's move forward. And I did what I was felt convicted of. Why aren't you holding those 31 in 2005 as, 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 as uh, I deal as, with what happens what today and is in front of us. I don't make excuses for people by what happened in the past. I own okay, what I do. I don't say some news guy said something in 1997. Back in 2018. Look, look, what I'm saying is this. If that's your way of admitting that this is wrong, too, then fine. I'll give it to you. But otherwise... We still got some room to do in, cur- in terms of we got to learn from what we did if we want to get to a better place. But, Congressman, I got to jump. You have a place on this show to discuss what matters. Mark Wayne Mullen, God bless and be well. God bless. All right. Next, we bring in Dr. Fauci to deal with the other disease that's attacking our society. Next. An important milestone in the vaccine, what would be the first single shot COVID vaccine, J&J, Johnson & Johnson, officially asking the FDA for emergency use authorization. There are some more steps in the process. Took Pfizer a little over three weeks, Moderna just over two weeks. What could it be now? Uh, What do we know about the vaccine? It's shown to be 66% effective. Uh, in preventing moderate and severe disease, 85% effective overall at preventing hospitalization and death. In fact, uh, the most recent data showed no deaths, no hospitalizations. So that 85% number is all severe illness. Bottom line, hopefully another way to fight the pandemic. Let's talk about it with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Good to have you. Good to be with you, Chris. Too many numbers, uh, but let's make up our own metric. On the kind of hopometer, where zero is, we're going to be dealing with this for a very long time, and 10 is, right around the corner, we'll be in a better place. Where do you think we are? You know, I I think we're going to be in a better place, but I think we're probably right six or seven in the sense that we have to deal with some things that are good news, but some things that are challenging. The numbers you gave for the uh, J&J vaccine actually... In the United States, the efficacy was higher than 66. Yeah, because that included South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That included, but yeah, the important thing that you made, the point that you made was critical, Chris, is that although it wasn't the 94 and 95 percent 
that we've seen with Moderna and Pfizer in the critical area of keeping people out of the hospital and making sure they don't die. It did very, very well. So we now will have, if the FDA gives it an EUA, they put in their application for that. We'll know in a few weeks whether or not it's going to happen. That if, in fact, it does, that'll be yet again another good vaccine in the armamentarium of our, of our tools to fight this pandemic. I like that word, armamentarium. Thank you for that, Tony. Uh, you said you think if it gets approved and goes as it should, it'll be available around March. You know, a lot of people say to me, why do you do all these comparisons of the vaccines? Nobody gets a choice. Uh, you know, you're just lucky you can get an appointment to get any vaccine, and then they tell you which one it is when you get there. Will people have a choice at some point? I don't think right in the beginning they will, because the right now the demand is far excess of the supply. So people will, I think, gladly take whatever is available to them. As we get through February into March and April and May, when the amount of vaccine becomes much more plentiful, there is certainly a possibility that people will know that this particular vaccine is maybe given in the pharmacies, and this you might get in a clinic or in your doctor's office or wherever. They could potentially have a choice. But right now, given the fact that the demand is so much greater than the supply, people are taking whatever vaccine is available to them at the time, which is actually a good idea, particularly now, since the two that are available are essentially identical. They're both mRNA vaccines. Right. They both have the same degree of efficacy and safety. So it doesn't really matter very much, Chris. If it's all about variants now in terms of on the risk side, why isn't the administration coming very hard with Defense Production Act for masks and putting testing right out front? Because until you have the vaccine in everybody's arm, the best you can do is mask up. Uh, shouldn't they be more aggressive on that to fight the variants if they are so troubling? Well, what we're doing, Chris, is the message is that we have the capabilities. We have masks. We're doing much better on testing. Right now, you know, you probably heard just a couple of days ago that there's a test now that's available or will be soon available in pharmacies that we're investing hundreds of millions of dollars to scale up so that you can have up to 19 million of them per month made. And they're point of care. You can get them in a drugstore. You bring them home. It takes 15 minutes it's a bit expensive now, $30, $35. The price will come way down when we start ordering millions and millions and millions of doses. So we are doing a lot. I mean, the president himself said he wants 100 days at least of everybody wearing a mask. And, you know, we've discussed on this show before, uh, Chris, that when you have really inconsistencies throughout the country where some people don't wear masks as some sort of a political statement or whatever you want to call it, that doesn't work. If you really want to get this outbreak under control, you have to have uniform and universal mask wearing, physical distance, avoiding congregate settings like crowds, particularly indoor, washing your hands as often as you possibly can. You know, we have some good news in that, as you know from the numbers, they've peaked and are starting mm -hmm. to look like they're coming down. If we take that, combine it with the increased availability of vaccines, combine that with doubling down on public health measures, we could start going way, way down to where Even we with really the variants? want to be. Because the variants are like the chalk well, in the wheel of that progress. And you had uh, the well, CDC had the right. other day said that she believes that not only will the variants create more cases, but maybe more death. Is that true? Well, absolutely. 
Yeah, that is true. I'll tell you why. Because what we're seeing where variants dominate, the variants don't dominate now in our country. We have the variant that was dominating in the UK. It's called 117. That one is one that is more efficient in going from person to person. And a recent study from the UK showed that it might be somewhat more deadly in the sense of making people sicker and certainly leading to death more. So we don't want that to become dominant in our own country. It might become dominant because it seems to be very efficient in spreading from person to person. Chris, the best way to prevent viruses from mutating and developing the kinds of mutations that make them more efficient or more dangerous is to prevent them from spreading from person to person. And you do that by public health measures and getting as many people vaccinated as quickly as you possibly can. Because viruses will not mutate if they don't replicate. So if you put the lid on them and prevent them from going from person to person, you will blunt their capability of mutating. So that's a challenge. I, I, dis, I agree with you completely. The fact that we have mutants in this country right now, we have mutations that are dominating in South Africa. There are a few of them, very few, but they could still continue to expand. And we have the mutants that have dominated in the UK. So we have a, a possibility and the capability of trying to stop them from becoming dominant. Now we've got mutants in Congress sitting on committees on one side of the aisle. Tony Fauci, thank you very much uh, for taking time with us tonight. God bless and Godspeed. Yeah, good to be with you, Chris. Thanks a lot. Take Always care. a pleasure. Conspiracy theories get the okay from most Republicans tonight in Congress, 199 of them. And you saw Mark Wayne Mullen. Look, I bring him on in good faith. But the best defense he has is, well, that was before, even though she just said it months ago. Democrats and 11 Republicans, though, did vote this QAnon uh, congresswoman off of the committees. We're going to talk to one of those Democrats tonight, Katie Porter, on the drama and a potential way forward next. So basically, the why for Republicans in refusing to send a message against QAnon has two parts. One, Democrats have people just as bad. And she did say all this stuff before she was in office, which isn't really true. And also, Democrats are doing this the wrong way. Let's bring in Congresswoman Katie Porter, California, for perspective. Good to see you. Good to see you. I heard uh, your recollection of events from January 6th. And I wanted to say, I'm sorry I haven't reached out sooner. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't reach out to say uh, that uh, I heard what you went through and I feel for you. Well, it was a it was, you know, it was a workplace shooting. That's what it was. It was there was a criminal attack on the Capitol building and on the Capitol complex. And now, and, you know, those are tough experiences. And now you live through it. January 6th can't be put in the rearview mirror fast enough by half the aisle. And they have a member of the primary group that was all over the place of the ugliest acts of that day. And they say, well, she doesn't really believe it anymore. Is that good enough? No, I don't think it is good enough. I think the onus here is on Marjorie Taylor Greene, on Congresswoman Greene, to step up and tell us that she does not have those beliefs. 
to take ownership of them and to renounce them, not in some private meeting of the Republican Party um, the night before she's about to get in trouble, but in public to publicly acknowledge that she has wronged people, that she has spread lies and conspiracy theories, and to promise that she will stop doing that. That's what responsibility from her would have looked like. And it's only because she didn't take it, the Republicans didn't take it, that finally the House of Representatives took action. Um, Their argument of you have people who say just as nasty things on your side, acceptable? This isn't about being nice or being nasty. I would definitely prefer that people be nice across the board, but that's not what this is about. This is about somebody who has fundamentally denied the reality of facts. We cannot solve problems like gun violence in schools if we suggest that the shootings didn't even happen. So this isn't about being nice or who's, you know, who's not nice. This is about are you able to look at facts and the truth and accept them and then move into what Democrats and Republicans should be doing, which is debating different ways to solve those problems. We can't do that with someone who won't even admit to realities. How do you explain so many Republicans standing up after you guys were saved and no longer having to hide right after it and voting to decertify the election on the basis of nothing? Yeah, it was an incredibly, the, the, you know, the whole day was difficult and it went on into the night. Um, but the fact that so many of them continued down that path really was disheartening. But there were some, there were some members who stood up um, and said, I cannot do this. I will not do this. Um, and, you know, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for people like Liz Cheney. I think that both parties, Democratic and Republican, need to be continually trying to improve themselves, need to have debate within their parties. Um, and that I'm glad that the Republicans are, are having a spirited debate. I wish they'd come to the right conclusion, though, which is that they need to stop enabling and repeating lies. I call them the GOPQ now, uh, because if they're going to let her be on the committees, that's the exact kind of message these extremist groups love to hear in their radicalization and recruitment efforts online. Uh, now, another angle attack they have to get away from January 6th, which is just mind blowing to me that they ignore the event the way they did, is that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman from New York, faked her account. Do you think that is fair because she was in the adjacent that cannon building? Absolutely. That is absolutely untrue. She relayed what happened to her in the Cannon office building and how scared she was when she was yelled at that she had to leave the building. Where is she? Where is she? She came to my office building. I saw her. She asked if she could come into my office. And I am here to tell you and everybody, she was terrified. I know her pretty well. I sit on committees like oversight and you know, used to sit on financial services with her. I have never seen her like that before. She was clearly very, very rattled and very, very scared. And we barricaded in my office for six hours. We turned the lights off. We turned the cell phones off. We had no way to know if and when the people who had penetrated the Capitol were coming through the tunnels to get us. No way to know if the voices that we heard in the hallway were those of police officers or those of the mob. What do you say to those who are trying to delegitimize the trauma and her feelings and your feelings? I, look, 
we were there, she was there, everybody's gonna have, everyone did have a different experience of that day. Some of my colleagues weren't even, you know, were in their apartments during that time, watching it on TV. Some of them were in the Capitol itself. Some of them were evacuated by Secret Service. Some of them were, you know, on their own. But there's no point in taking away her experiences. The goal here is to make sure that the Capitol is a safe workplace where we can focus on doing the job that the American people sent us there to do, which is helping to make sure that our economy is strong, that we're creating opportunity. That's what we should be doing. And all of the rest of this has just been a distraction from dealing with the real problems facing our country like COVID and the economy. Well, and a distraction on another level. I always come to you for the smart take, but even, uh, you know, a meathead like me knows this. There's great reason to go after her. You're delegitimizing one of ours. We're going to do it to one of yours. And by the way, they're still keeping warm on the back burner, Congressman. Remember, I reminded you of this tonight. They're going to say you guys set up January 6th. There's no basis of it in fact, but I'm telling you, this is part of that effort today. I don't want to indulge in it, but I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for keeping it together and doing your job. Job, Congresswoman Katie Porter, thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. When I come back, I've got a story to share. It's going to be quick. I'll lead into Don Lemon, and it'll make you realize why going after Katie Porter or AOC is totally wrong. Next. Thank you for watching CNN Tonight. The big show with D. Lemon starts right now. Quick story for you uh, that goes to the heart of why going after AOC. Do you have video? You you don't have video of it, do you? Of what? Of the story you were talking about. Well, yeah, there is video of it. Oh, yeah, that's what I want to see it if you have it. I I don't want to show you this. The story that I'm telling you about is when I got blown up in Iraq with my my cameraman on this MP um, mission that we were with, with the military police in Ghazalia, south of Baghdad. Here's my point. You go after AOC for her fear, saying it was illegitimate. She was in the adjacent building. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. She knew she was under attack. She was running. She heard people saying, where is she? Where is she? She didn't know who those people were. Why am I using my experience? Because when we were on that patrol and they stopped us by these bodies and this captain was explaining to me that they're often weaponized and people started firing at us, a lot of fire. They detonated the bodies. It blew over the Humvee in front of us. Uh, People were screaming. All this gunfire was all over the place. Don, I swear I thought I was a dead man. I was haunted for weeks after that. I heard the screaming. I heard shouts of pain, uh, gunfire. I couldn't move because of the position that we were in after the explosion. And I thought somebody was going to stick their weapon in the turret, circular fire, and was over. My cameraman, uh, Bartley Price, and I were looking at each other, and we thought it was over. Okay? We were wrong. The voices I heard were our troops communicating, killing the insurgents, calling in tank fire and controlling the whole situation. But they couldn't talk to me because they were busy. So how would you know it? It's the same with this. And here's the thing. First up, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm glad you changed my life. I'm gl- but yes. I'm glad I'm here. But here's I'm, I'm glad you said that because I've been watching, you know, state media and listening to conservative media all day because, I, you know, I want to hear the other side. And I was like, I don't understand why this is a story. How was she supposed to know who was on the other side of the door? Okay. How was she supposed to know how many people were on the other side of the door? I'm not, I, I'm just saying, I'm not, there's nothing to do with anything, AOC or whatever. But how, I, I kept trying to figure out how the people who were actually involved in that siege and all the chaos could be criticizing someone else who was involved in it because they were, because she was explaining how what she thought was going on in her particular situation, it was just flat out partisanship and a distraction to Marjorie Taylor 
Green. They're going after That's one of the, the Democrats because the Democrats going after one of theirs. I'm yeah. telling you, Mr. Noise Pollution over there at State TV and the others, they want to frame the Democrats for January 6th. They've been leaking it out all these different ways that there's an untold story that this was yeah. a setup. It's all Let BS do it. and their toxicity. It. And I'll tell you what, you just heard Katie Porter say AOC was freaked out. Yeah. And let me tell you, I lived a situation like that. And it doesn't have to be real, the threat, for you to believe it's, it's imminent you and believe. real. And let me tell you something. Let them do it because they look like idiots in the process and people are on to it. So no keep, more than any other keep time. Keep doing it. I hope we people learn this it. time. Have fun. I know. I encourage them. Continue to do it. I think people, the, the, I think, um, the veil has been lifted. People's eyes are open. Uh, and um, you, they know what's going on. They know that it's all BS and they know that it's partisanship. And, and look, they're talking about how they are, how... Uh, the, the, the limited and the framing, limited amount and the framing of the insurrection on Capitol Hill, anyone can see, any, everybody knows what, what happened, except for the fringe, right, who keep trying to, as you say, blame it I on I wish Democrats. they talked about the groups that attacked our Capitol and why, as much as they're talking about AOC's uh, feelings uh, about it. No. I'll tell you what. And I say the new party is the GOPQ. Yeah. And it shows that they actually embrace diversity because they just created the QAnon another, wing. Another, yeah. I, you know, you say GOPQ, I say QOP. I like to call them the got you, Q Trumplican. Trumplican party. Yeah, you're, you're com- you got to pick your brand, brother. I always tell you this. <laughs> I love you. Got to go. I love you, D. Lemon. Speak you. your truth, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. I enjoyed the show. This- I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.